Good morning and welcome to the Clax Women for Independence podcast, episode 55. And it's blowing a gale outside, so here's some nice chilled jazz piano from Doug Maxwell. So it was Halloween last night and true to form there was a horrible, horrible monster appeared to tell England that they were going back into a severe lockdown for four weeks minimum, largely because three weeks ago when the scientific advisors told him that's what they needed to do, he dithered and blustered and ignored everything. So like many of us, I have friends and close relatives, including my mother, my nieces and nephews who live in England. I do feel for them. I really do. In more positive news, having reacted much more speedily in Scotland, the infection rate was actually down from the day before. So it's certainly plateaued. And going by yesterday's figures, it looks as if it's starting to drop again, which is great news for us. But of course, as long as those borders are open, it's going to come back in. I think I need a little more piano chill. Ah, that was lovely, wasn't it? Halloween last night. I don't know about you. We got up, we got the decorations out, we got dressed up and we sat and did what we normally did, you know, stuff ourselves with ridiculous amounts of chocolate. Thanks, wifeys had heard that a few parents were intending to take their children on Halloween trails this year. So instead of the traditional guising going up knocking on doors, they would get a suite from their parents for every time they saw something Halloween related in a window or whatever, which seemed like a good compromise, although in the event it was a wild and stormy night. So I don't know that there were many people out and about at all. But just in case, we had positioned uh, a table by the the garden gate with um, some hand sanitizer, a pumpkin full of sweets and some painted yes stones on it. If anybody wanted uh, to help themselves, they could. So the doorbell only rang once last night and it turned out it was a parcel delivery man who, when I took his parcel, he said, I have got a Halloween joke, which I can't even remember what it was. So he told me his joke and I said, "Okay, you can have a sweet from the pumpkin. So he helped himself. That was our only um, trick or treat experience. But oh, you just have to hope that next year Halloween will be back to normal. And it seems uh, unthinkable that we could be in the same situation in a year's time. I'm sure we won't. So this will be one to remember, maybe for all the wrong reasons. of other things that caught my interest this week. The first was that the Scottish Parliament at Holyrood is debating the revised continuity bill. You'll recall that the previous continuity bill, which was passed, was then sabotaged because the UK government retrospectively changed the Scotland Act to make it illegal. An outrageous act that at any other time would have been a massive constitutional issue, but which unfortunately set against the the law-breaking tendencies of the current rogue state at Westminster. It's just like, oh, it's Thursday. 
Mike Russell has brought the revised continuity bill back to Parliament where it was debated and this was his closing speech. Thank you. I now call on Michael Russell to wind up this debate. Cabinet Secretary, you have until five past five. Thank you, Presiding Officer. Let me, let me start with the positives in this debate um, um, and to say to the other parties, with the exception of the Conservatives, I think my opening speech was very clear that I want to debate and discuss some of the key issues that the Committee has identified. I think there are areas, and this has been my approach to every bill that I've ever brought to this chamber, that this bill can be improved and developed, um, and we will find a way to do so. I note the points that have been made by a variety of members across the chamber. Um, I think the Stage 1 report has some very important uh, issues within it, which we can respond to from all the committees, and we will do so. We won't agree on everything. Uh, one thing that is common across every bill I've ever been involved in is that there is always a debate and discussion about the levels of subordinate legislation, a matter which actually to most people outside this chamber seems entirely arcane, but I know it is very important to members of this chamber, and I think we're going to have that discussion and dispute, and I think we will find a way through it. But what I want to reflect upon in the, the few minutes I have available to me is the extraordinary speeches from the Conservatives. I think Sarah Boyack used that word, and she is quite right to use it. Let us start by remembering why we are here. This chamber passed by an overwhelming majority a continuity bill. It was a bill that had keeping pace powers. And that bill was, with one very, very small exception, not in this area, entirely within the competence of this parliament. And the UK Conservative government changed the law to, to outlaw that bill. That is what the Supreme Court found. They changed the law to outline that bill. So we are here repeating what we have done because the UK Conservative government, backed by a minority in this chamber, managed to overrule a piece of legislation which had been passed by an overwhelming majority. So that is why we are here. And in addition, we are here, Mr. I would say to Mr. Burnett, we are here using the valuable time that he would spend with his constituents because of the UK Tory government. So I hope he will take this issue up with his colleagues in the UK Tory party and blame them for the fact that we are having to come back here. And he should blame them for something else too. Mr Burnett has talked about the waste of time and money that Brexit has been. Oh indeed, I agree with him. I agree with him to the tune of £200 billion, which has been the cost of Brexit. I agree with him because I have spent a great deal of the last four years engaged in this, and I would much rather I hadn't been, because the people of the country in which I live voted against Brexit. And I have had to spend that time, as we have all had to spend that time, on something against the wishes of our constituents. So please don't remind me of the waste and time. Go and remind your Conservative colleagues. Now, I have to say that I have a, a life full of enjoyable instances and excitements. And I go straight from this debate today to a meeting of the JMCEN, in which I shall no doubt hear many of the same arguments put by the UK Tory party. And it will allow me a further opportunity to wonder, as I have spent this afternoon wondering, at the current state of the Tory party. Uh, Mr Lockhart's contribution reminded me of that line, I think, from Alice through the looking glass. If I had a world of my own, everything would be nonsense. Because he was living entirely in a world of his own. 
It is a completely upside-down world in which he is living. Lena, no, thank you. Please, I am standing the right way up, and I am going to continue. <laughs> I am going to continue on that matter. So allow me to allow me to deconstruct the nonsense that I heard earlier this afternoon. And there are three particular items that I will deconstruct. The first one is, and I have to raise this point because it is a point for this chamber of great significance. Twice now, Mr Lockhart in this chamber has contended that the Internal Market Bill uh, bases its powers upon the frameworks and is there to support the frameworks. I, the official report will, will make it entirely clear. It's happened twice now, happened in a previous debate. At that time, I asked Mr Lockhart to correct the official report because it was not true. The bill does not refer to the frameworks in that way. And he repeated it this afternoon. He doubled down on an assertion about the Internal Markets Bill, which is not true. And that is a very serious matter, because this bill is of enormous... No, I want to finish this point, and I'll give way. This bill is of enormous importance. It is taking powers away from this Parliament, and we must tell the truth about it. Please, Mr Lockhart, tell the truth about it. First, the issue of the Internal Market Bill. I have given him the opportunity. I've given him the opportunity to correct something that was said twice in this chamber and has not been corrected. Let the record show that. Now, the second issue, the second issue that we have here is very important because the issue of jobs and the retention of jobs. And the argument from the Conservatives has been all afternoon that, in actual fact, high standards cost jobs. That has been the argument we've heard. And the argument is if you lower those standards, if you become a deregulator, because that is what the argument is, then you will create jobs in Scotland. It is not true. It is utterly counterproductive. It is throwing away all the advantages we have in order to create jobs and they won't be created because they simply won't be created. So that is also an area in which the Chamber has been woefully misinformed this afternoon. But then there is a third and very significant point and it is this, the issue of being a rule taker. How can any Conservative with the internal markets bill in front of them, the most massive undermining of devolution since the start of devolution, don't take my word for it, take the word of Lord Hope, the former Deputy President of the Supreme Court. Take the word of the Anglican primates across these islands. Take the word of any of those members of the House of Lords who have spoken upon it in these matters. Take their word for it. And yet, apparently, apparently, that is not true because Mr Lockhart says it isn't true. A rule taker. A rule taker. That is what, no, I'm sorry, that is what the Conservative UK government is seeking to make this Parliament, to take away our powers to do things, to make, take away our powers to make rules and to undermine them. So I just have to say after this debate, the state of the Scottish Conservative Party is woeful. It is utterly woeful, but it is worse than woeful. Because what we've heard this afternoon is an attempt to defend the indefensible. This bill we are debating because the previous bill was sabotaged by the UK Tory government with the consent of the Tory party in Scotland. And now, and now black is white and white is black. I am grateful for the members across this chamber who have shown their commitment to take this bill through. We will take this bill through, but it will be part of a process of saying to the people of Scotland, we have the right in Scotland to make our own choices about what we do. And we will not be told not to do it. We will not be cheated out of it by people who care nothing for this chamber and everything for their colleagues south of the border. It is a shameful position and it will not stand.
Other interesting thing that's been happening this weekend is the seventh get together of the Scottish Citizens Assembly. Um, obviously, due to the uh, restrictions, they're having to meet by Zoom. And this week should have been a really interesting weekend. And I was hoping to include it in this podcast because they were talking about having created a vision for the kind of Scotland the Assembly shared. This week, they were talking about recommendations as to how to achieve that. However, the sound quality on the Zoom, on the live stream that's on YouTube is just its really poor, possibly because of the stormy weather we're having. If you want to try looking at it yourself, if you just go onto YouTube and search for Citizens Assembly Weekend 7, you'll find the recording of the live stream. But, you know, best of luck. <laughs> but we will try and follow up with that in a f- future episode. So no Citizens Assembly update this week, but the Clax Wifeys did have a really good meeting by Zoom to get some poetry together for our Halloween poetry special. Just having people on Zoom sharing, reading poems. There were some brought along poems that were halfway through and got some suggestions and some feedback from the group. And it was really very enjoyable. And we thought that something that we could probably do maybe monthly and invite anybody who's got either works in progress or a poem they'd like to share to come along and take part in our virtual poetry salon. So if anybody is interested and would like to take part in those, I won't be putting the Zoom details on an open Facebook page, but if anybody would like to get in touch with me, um, Fiona at IndieLive.radio, I'll happily share the Zoom details with you if you'd like to join in. I'm not sure when the next one will be. I would think possibly towards the end of maybe the last the last week in November, perhaps. But here's a little flavour of some of the discussion and I'll give you a before and after of one of the poems as well how it was in the discussion and then the treatment that we actually gave it on the day hello how are you doing is that okay mine or is it it's, it's, no that's it's fine paper. I was going to say you don't need to worry about background or anything because it's audio we're after so I am going to record this but it's the audio for the poetry show so we're hoping oh. we're going to do a, a Halloween poetry special on Friday at nine o'clock and it'll be repeated on Sunday at one o'clock that'll be our normal show so that's either side of Halloween and then I'm hoping we've we've got a couple of odd poems that have started appearing Neil McNeely's done another one and I got, a, I got a fantastic Tamashanta that um, George, oh, that's right, mm. he's done a fabulous version of Tamashanta, so we'll have that in. Um, cool. And Angus Shurikan has done about uh, 10 little verses. So what I was thinking, we'll maybe scatter them, alternate with a, a sort of longer poem and a couple of really short ones and maybe have a, it's maybe twice the normal length of our normal show mm-hmm. or maybe three times, who knows. So <laughs> time to get right back into your poetry, isn't it? It really well, is. The, the long winter months and the dark nights, we've got more time to sit and muse over things. Exactly. And I think the thing the beauty with the Zoom, you know, when we when we didn't even know how to do Zoom before, so the fact that we're now used to using it, it just gives us another option when we can't go I'll hanging around cafes. Because they think I'm in here talking to people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you are. <laughs> Who's got poems? Well, I started writing mine, but it's not finished yet. It's a work in progress. So I'll let I'll Ooh. read what I've written from it, and we can 
I, I might keep going on it, and if I can get it finished and written to you by and recorded and sent to you by Friday, then. Well, I've got a, a long one that I've done. I've got a shorter one that Rowan's done, and Ooh. I've got a teeny tiny one that Rouge helped a little bit with. <laughs> get the kids roped in early. Well done. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, before the rest of my background is destroyed by poltergeists. Shall we have a go? Shall we crack on? Me, I'll stop. Go on then. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just waiting for my other glasses. That's all right. Do we want to go round and do one each and then go round a, a second time? Is that? Yeah. yeah? Let's go round again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're banned. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd like to go next? <laughs> That's the the hounds of the Baskervilles there. The hounds of Tullabody. Okay, want to do one? Yeah, sure. Okay, so this is Halloween poem by Rowan, age nine. Aww. (laughs) The pumpkins are out, the cauldron is brewing, the costume makers are doing some sewing, we all dipped some apples, and we all went guising. In the distance, the full moon is rising. Oh, that's Thank very good. good. Well done, Rowan. Po- future poet. Yeah, I that couldn't persuade her to come and do it herself, unfortunately. Hmm. Oh. Oh, well. Soon, maybe soon. Appropriately, the poet is Robert Graves. Oh. Mm-hmm. This is called <laughs> A Child's Nightmare. Ah. Mm. Through long nursery nights he stood, by my bed unwearying, loomed gigantic, formless queer, purring in my haunted ear. That same hideous nightmare thing, talking as he lapped my blood, and in a cruel voice and flat, saying forever, cat, cat, cat. Well, that uh, segues nicely into what I've done, uh, which is, (laughs) okay, obviously I'm not a proper Scots speaker, but I've put it into the the poem anyway, Uh, so apologies if I offend anybody's ear, it's going to happen anyway, Um, but it's a take on, um, well, you'll get what it's a take on when I do it, so it's called All Hallows' Eve. It was All Hallows' Eve, and all through the hoose, not a creature was stirring, except uh, except a wee moose. It stirred a great cauldron to left and to right, in circles increasing neath a full moon's light. She dropped in a hair from the household's cat, and twitching her whiskers in the mixture she spat. The gloopy stuff bubbled, and as the witching hour chimed, she removed her goggles, stood apart, and eerily rhymed, Be gone, the cat, chase me nae mare, may ye turn to stain when next ye dare. Then yon sleekit moosey, with mickle sharp teeth, ripped open a packet of kitty cat treats. With a well-crafted ladle from an acorn's cup, she doused those cat treaties for that mog to lap up, dousing the flames with the rest of the mix. We mousy took the ashes for future anti-cat tricks. And as the dawn showed o'er the moose's hoose, she curled up, smirking, the rest you may deduce. Reflect on this tale, 
and perhaps think thrice before ever, ever pissing off the mice. <laughs> brilliant! <laughs> oh, that was good. That meant brilliant with the lens. That was great. Mm. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> So that'll give you a flavour of the general atmosphere at our Zoom Poetry Salon. And if you'd like to hear the poetry special that we came up with, it's on the Indie Live Radio's podcast channel. It's also in the Poetry Open Mic channel, Indie Live Radio's YouTube page. And there are also links to it on our Glaxwifey Facebook page. And just to show you what we ended up doing with those poems when we'd taken out all the ums and ahs and coughs and added some music, here's how the three you've just heard sounded on the night. This is Halloween Poem by Rowan, age nine. The pumpkins are out, the cauldron is brewing, the costume makers are doing some sewing, we all dipped some apples and we all went guising. In the distance, the full moon is rising. Appropriately, the poet is Robert Graves, <laughs> a child's nightmare. Through long nursery nights he stood, by my bed unwearying, loomed gigantic, formless queer, purring in my haunted ear. That same hideous nightmare thing, talking as he lapped my blood, and in a cruel voice and flat, saying forever, cat, cat, cat. All Hallows Eve. It was All Hallows Eve, and all through the hoose, not a creature was stirring, except a wee moose. It stirred a great cauldron to left and to right, in circles increasing neath a full moon's light. She dropped in a hair from the household's cat, and twitching her whiskers in the mixture she spat. The gloopy stuff bubbled, and as the witching arrow chimed, she removed her goggles, stood apart, and eerily rhymed. Be gone, the cat, chase me nae mare. May ye turn to stain when next ye dare. Then yon sleekit moosey, with mickle sharp teeth, ripped open a packet of kitty cat treats. With a well-crafted ladle from an acorn's cup, she doused those cat treaties for that mog to lap up, dousing the flames with the rest of the mix. We mousy took the ashes for future anti-cat tricks. And as the dawn showed over the moose's hoose, she curled up, smirking, the rest you made a deuce. Reflect on this tale, and perhaps think thrice before ever, ever pissing off the mice. <laughs> Brilliant! <laughs> So I hope you enjoyed those. If you want to hear the whole thing, as I say, it's available on demand and well worth a listen, especially for the fabulous edition of Tamashanter in full at the end. OK, the other thing we did this week was a virtual coffee shop. So let's head over there now. Yeah. Hiya, how are you doing? 
I'm okay. Yourself? Not bad, thanks. Not bad. I'm just looking at the photos on the Gartmore and Dam Facebook page mm -hmm. of our litter pics. So I've been getting a fair bit of um, tea likes, something like that, five shares. It's yep. quite good. Excellent. Some comments, all positive. I was going to be organised and have had my shower, but because it's such a nice day, I've been out in the back garden mm. um, painting, like doing wood preservative. Before breakfast, that's dedication. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is breakfast now. So what what you been oh. up to, Tracy? Uh, not a lot. I've been studying. Oh, what are you studying? I'm doing my degree in history. Ah. So at the moment I'm studying the Industrial Revolution in minute detail. Oh. <laughs> you learning anything new? Well, I did talk about the Act of Union and really? how Scotland was um, improved by the Act of Union during the Industrial Revolution. Mm -hmm. Because we didn't have an internal market with England before that. So England brought some of the technology up to Paisley for the cloth industry. All right. And we got access to the goods by the English colonies, by the slave colonies. Oh, so so are we converting then? Is that is is it a good thing now? Mm -hmm. Yes, we so we we were the middlemen. You have to take into account when you're reading it who the audience is for. Yeah. And when it was written, so I was reading this thing in 1963 by an English author. Mm. This is well. The population in England increased quite dramatically, but the population in Scotland didn't because of emigration. Emigration? Mm. Like, oh, you mean the Highland clearances, do you mean? <laughs> Forced emigration. Well, I, I thought it was interesting, the fact that the English had quite rich people. So the Industrial Revolution, yes, it increased their wealth, but it wasn't to the same extent as Scotland, because Scotland really was poor. We didn't hate those people. But then we didn't have the war debts. So this is a bit I can never understand. There's a difference between the state's debts and the richness of individuals, which is the same now, isn't it? Few individuals have got all the cash and the state itself is billions in debt. Well, I'm reading about how the state was actually produced up to 1832 and the fact that the, the wealthy people gave money to the government so that they could go to war and mm. then the government paid it back and that's where the national debt comes from. Well, good morning all, good morning. It's Hello. so nice I've seen you all. I know how lovely that you could join us. How are you all? Fine. You're good, just he hearing about Tracy's um, studies and her pers new perspective on the, the act of union as a result. So apparently we should all be unionists now, this is the... No, 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 no. <laughs> Did I get that wrong? That, we traded with France and that was cut off because France and England were enemies. So was our trade with um, the, Flan the countries of Flanders. We were more connected right. to Europe than our, our dear friends. Was ever thus, and hopefully um, will be again. Did any of you hear yesterday Hollywood, and they were talking about the continuity bill? I saw Mike Russell's speech. And the Tories, um, they're just like gaslighting or whatever. They're, you need even the Labour MSP stood up and said, "Well, we'll be voting with the SNP." Tories but have just gone the full-on Brexiteer. It, it's yeah, bizarre uh, transformation. It was, just, it was just horrific what they were saying. Mm. That you know, oh, sixty percent of Scotland's trade is with is with internal, so you need to stick with us. I said to Neil, flip that around, though. That means we're trading with other countries in the UK 
that means they need us. Mm. They need us more than we need them. Yeah. I prefer sticking with the our balance of trade with our balance of trade is, is in a plus as opposed to the rest of the countries of the UK. We are mm. permanently in a plus. Yeah. And occasionally Northern Ireland is in a plus. Our exports are, are phenomenal. Yeah. And our exports per person are just extraordinary. You need a balance of trades plus in order to, to grow. You mm. cannot be constantly in a negative. You're if you're not providing anything that other people want, what is your, your benefit? And the, the very idea as well that the, they would stop, all 60% of that trade would stop entirely. Think, well, why would that happen? So a, a country that's cut itself off from the rest of the world, that's only so far managed to arrange importing soy sauce from Japan, <laughs> from what I can tell, is going to refuse to trade with its nearest neighbour for what reason you know it, it it doesn't make any sense even if it means their lights go off and they have no water they're going to refuse to trade with us it just it doesn't yeah. make any sense yeah. so important sorry lynn sorry no, i was just going to say it's, it's, it's typical cutting off your nose to spite your face type thing isn't mm. it I, I listened to Mike summing up because it was so good when he he was batting everything back and he was saying well yes it's true Brexit is costing us money and it is distracting us from things we'd like to be doing. But take that up with the Tory party because that's why we're in this situation. I'm going to miss him when he leaves. I really am. Yeah, he's very, very, very good. Mm. He's, he's just in a class of his own in some respects. It know? really is. And that the knowledge that he's brought up, the intimate detail that he understands about the Constitution and the relationships, it's hard to imagine who they're going to replace him with. I'm not in the SNP, so I don't know the the details of their internal workings, but this business of Joanna Cherry not being able to stand, it, it just seems such a waste because she would have been good in that sort of constitutional but role, you think? It, I can understand why there is a contention about it. Is She made the agreement to be an MP. She, Her constituents have voted for her to be an MP for the next however long. And the cost... For anybody to stand down and then for there to be a re-election is huge. Right. So there is another part to be taken into account. So it's all very well her grandstanding, but there's a bit of me that says, hmm, I don't mm. particularly want Angus Robertson there. I prefer mm. Biagio. No, there are too many of the party tick-a-box people that are assuming they're getting a slot in. Mm. So. Have we not had people before that have been both MSPs and MPs? Yeah, like Salmon did it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not ideal because you think, yeah, you should be focusing on one one mm. job. Where are they going to do the be the most good for Scotland? And if we're going into a period of negotiating a separation or again yeah, trying to trying to understand constitutional issues you think, who's the best person for that job? And it might not be Joanna. Perhaps there's people who are much better skilled in that area. But it just seems such a loss of Mike's knowledge and experience without an obvious successor. But I'm sure he'll he'll still provide info in the background. I don't think he'll disappear yeah. completely. Yeah, I suppose it he just won't be an MSP. Yeah, mm -hmm. and actually 40 years of you know, working with teams and things, the number of times we've said, oh, what will we do if so-and-so leaves? They leave and somebody always comes through. It always just mm -hmm. creates a space for somebody else. It doesn't, it's never the end of the, nobody's irreplaceable. Yeah, I'll keep reminding them that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if anybody's mooning about nothing's being done regarding, I've had my can within the last week. I've had an emergency dental appointment, which is both 
and have gone ahead and they both when I've spoken to the staff are saying no everything's back to to almost back to normal the dentists are about to start doing checkups again wow yeah I was seen by the physio at the the doctor's surgery as well okay good it's just nice to know these things because there are invariably people throwing up the oh it's all doom and gloom and everybody's mm. going to die off of this because there's no screening you know level three that we're in I'm saying we are you Blackmanshire and Sterling are, the, are you both are we both level three yeah yeah I have to be honest and say I was a bit surprised but Alan Smith sent forward the calculations that they use which oh. I'll probably post on calculations were incredibly interesting because we assumed our infection rates although they've been high when the students first came back the infection rates and deaths are actually half of what they are in clacks, even though our population is twice the size. So it's quite a salutary difference between the two. But when you looked on this ready reckoner, you could then see why why it was where. Really, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. No, no, it was quite. And also taking that into account with travelling tabby, there's a on the Scottish part of travelling tabby. He's got a line up the centre where they've increased, and you think, oh, but we don't have. An increase in theory, but you see us on one Clacks, Falkirk, and Stirling on one side of this line, and actually Edinburgh City is on the other. It is, it was because I was very much, oh, I'm surprised we hadn't moved down, but there we go. But I think for healthcare as well, because the, the big hospital serves Falkirk, Stirling, and Clack, I think that would be taken into account because there would be travelling who and they wouldn't want, you know, to put Falkirk or Stirling down and clacks up because mm. of the movement. I was going to say, they're still keeping us as like health ward areas. No, no, it's, no. it's um, council areas. I was surprised at Edinburgh though. I mean, Edinburgh and the Lothians at the beginning was really the one of the hotspots. And the idea yeah, that no, they, exactly. you know, and given the size of it and the, the movement through it as well, it's astonishing. But perhaps it's because of this calculation that we're not hey, having just been there because of my dentist i mean it's incredibly quiet to drive through i i was so early because i was taking it i thought well i have no idea what the traffic conditions would be like what was extraordinary was looking at queues outside of shops and they were social distancing which right. i have to say is not actually the case out here yes and i think the idea that it's in our own hands whether we come out of this is kind of I think she keeps reinforcing that, doesn't she? That we have some power in this situation, the power to choose what I we do. I have to be very honest and say, I, I just, I think I'm now to the point where I just think we're, we're trying so hard. There's so many of us that are trying so hard that I would be deeply, deeply frustrated if we ended up in a lockdown like some of the rest of Europe. Mm. We've, we've just had our third leaflet in for this you know, the by-election that's coming up in Clax East. All three of them are from the Tory oh, guy. Dollar man Dennis Coyne runs Do again in by-election. Dollar man Dennis Coyne, yes. And there's black and white photocopies that look as if he's made them himself. And there's him kneeling down, pointing at a pothole. And he's also promising to eradicate dog poo. So I think I might vote for him just to see how he does that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I saw something that was saying about the by-election coming up. And the, the top first posts were about uh, council, they're all scum. Uh, and they're all in it for the money. And they're thinking, really, they're in it for the money? Because they <laughs> specified how much they thought they were getting 20 grand. And I thought, you've already started berating them before they've even... You know, just the signing up for putting themselves forward. 
So um, I don't think too many folk would be in a position to want to uh, to go through that. I haven't seen anything at all from the SNP councillor. I have seen... SNP have decided that there's only going to be one leaflet. All right. That's getting delivered to the kind of coordinator for the, or the organiser for the, the by-election. Mm. Um, they're waiting on delivery of the leaflet. They're then going to leave it lying for three days before they go in and handle it. And then it's going to be delivered. All we're doing is delivery of one leaflet. And then on the day, they're looking for a further leaflet to go through like members doors to remind them to get out and vote they're not they're not doing any door knocking or anything i've not seen the leaflet but i hope they say on the leaflet like we are only doing one leaflet because we don't want to come out and there, there was huge discussions about what should we be doing because you'll get criticized whatever you do mm. so if you if you put three leaflets out, they'll say, "Well, actually, you, you, you know, risking transmitting stuff to people by doing so many leaflets, and it's not very environmentally friendly." Mm. That is true, but I think right now, if the if the by election was tomorrow, the only information I've had is three leaflets from a Tory candidate. Yeah. No, not mm. and it's not great. Mm. And I mean, but hopefully, then our one leaflet. So you've had three already, but you've had them well in advance of the election. So then the last thing you get is bam, there you go. We are here. This is who's standing. But again, in the Allo advertiser, that you then got so that piece about Dennis Coyne also had him with. Alexander Stewart. Yeah, at a bus stop. Yeah, that that's probably yeah. the same picture that they used. But for then them. further through the page, at the page called, you know, the section called Mouthpiece, is another bit by Alexander Stewart. Do you know, for all the MPs and MSPs that we've got, I get by far the most from Alexander Stewart. And I have met him the most just by him being at things I happen to have been. So, you know, for all he is punchable, he's also <laughs> he's also very um, out and about. And, yes. you know, he gets himself out there. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I suppose the only thing is the turnouts are usually pretty low anyway. And I can't imagine that a November by-election in a pandemic is going to really break any records <laughs> unless they're for the lowest turnover. This is where you just keep coming back to, why can we not just press a button and do it digitally? And that's the only yeah. way you can take account of weather and pandemics and everything else. Yeah. Postal well, vote for those who can't. Well, if you can register to vote online, why can we not vote online? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it, you can bank online, you can do almost everything online. So apart from get a bus pass, as I found out, but, um, you know, so security-wise, you would think that they ought to be able to do it online. Well, you can do things like if, you, if, you're a, if you've got an account with a building society and they do their, for their AGM and voting in their yeah. directors and everything and you get sent out a, a link and then a password and sometimes it's a double password you have to, yeah. to do. They, they can put the security in, in place to do it. Um, I mean, they could do a Facebook poll and they'd probably get more responses than they do now <laughs> although not this week with new facebook which i still flaming hate i've found out a lot of the functionality that you expect to be there is only there on the mobile version so if you go in and you put m instead of www then suddenly you get a whole load more because you're essentially seeing what the phone service is ah. yes work around Everything looks huge because you've essentially got a, a screen-sized phone. 
<laughs> so on that bombshell, I think we'll leave the wifeys to finish their coffee. Feeling a little bit flat this week, I think. Uh, partly come down after all the chocolate I ate yesterday. But also very, very sad to see that, that this hideous year has claimed another victim with, with the gorgeous, devastatingly sexy and only real Bond, Sean Connery, dying so yet another dedicated Scottish patriot who sadly hasn't lived to be standing on independent Scottish soil, but he has certainly played his part. And my goodness, didn't he do well for a milk boy from Fountainbridge? So that's it for this week. Let's hope that November brings a turnaround and a bit of better news for us all. So fingers crossed and thanks for listening. Catch you later. Bye now. And then like